Okay, so I'm curious. Could I get a couple volunteers to share, you know, with the rest of us, your name and how you heard about the well being at 10 o'clock tonight? Somebody, anybody. Right here. What's your name? Katie. Katie? I heard about it through Instagram. Through Instagram. Check that out. That's awesome. Awesome. Somebody else? Your life, Sydney, and your life group, group chat. There you go. Awesome. There you go. What's your name, ma'am? Adam through Ultimate Frisbee. That was a fun night. That was a fun night. So there's a lot of ways you can receive a lot of information. I mean, this is an event that we're having tonight. It's kind of fun. I think it's fun. I'm having a good time already anyway. But you can hear about it through Instagram or through a friend or through some other event that you were at or whatever. We live in an era, we live in a culture that there is endless information that is available to us all the time. We can get information through social media channels like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, apparently, or my personal favorite, Snapchat. (laughs) Just kidding. I hate Snapchat. (laughs) Sorry. I I had an account and then I just deleted it because I just don't don't get it. Whatever. Um, Anyway, there's TV, there's music, there's books, there's blogs, there's all these things that we're just inundated with information all the time. And this information is available to us through all these variety of sources as well. So this past summer, Stacey and I were doing a little remodel project in in our bathroom upstairs. And in a closet next to the bathroom, in the back of the closet, where there's this little tiny crawl space with access to the, the plumbing fixtures for the bathtub. And I don't think anybody had been back there in several decades when I was hanging out back there. And underneath a piece of plywood, I found this. Does anybody know what this is? This is called a newspaper. Um... They're kind of ancient artifacts now. There's not too many newspapers around anymore. But this newspaper is actually the Grand Rapids Press from April 15, 1944. And if you were to purchase the Grand Rapids Press on April 15 of 1944, you would have had to pay four cents for this thing right here. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, what was happening in April, on April 15 of 1944? What world event was going on? Uh, world War II. You guys are so smart. Uh, So there's an article in this paper that talks about how women were anxious about not getting married or something like that. So they would try to quickly marry an available male before he went off to war. And so there's an article in here that talks about how uh, the, the culture was just anxious or nervous that these women were just not really taking marriage very seriously, and they're just trying to marry this guy quickly before he goes off to war, and uh, the divorce rate is just going to skyrocket, and the whole world is going to, you know, crap or something like that because this situation was going on. So this is what's going on in the world in 1944. World War II, not, not a lot of great other things going on as well. So I'm 35 years old, and... I don't know what to do with that. But I, I grew up in an era that was known as BI, before the internet, okay? So 
when I was a kid growing up, this was my source of news. This was my source of information, this thing called a newspaper. And I would actually open up the newspaper when I got home from school, particularly the sports section is what I cared most about. Go green, right? Um, that's, just what I, that's just what I cared about. And so I, that, was my, that was my source of information was a newspaper. This is before the internet. This is before I could just quickly check anything I wanted to, anytime, anywhere, or order anything from Amazon and be here in two days. I mean, it was just that. What is, what are the sources that you use for news? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing most of you don't have a subscription to the Grand Rapids Press. How do you know what's going on in the world? What are the sources you have? Twitter? Facebook? Reddit? All right, BuzzFeed, all right. Uh, CNN, okay, there's an actual news source there. CNN, N- NBC, BBC, all those kinds of things. There's lots of ways we can get, um, we can get news. Um, how would you describe the news that we receive most of the time from these sources? Nah, negative, <laughs> negative, exaggerated, bad news, not very hopeful, those kinds of things. So in 2000, there was another good event that took place. Here we go. In 2000, the Spartans won the national championship. And unlike most of the news in the world, the Detroit Free Press thought, hey, this is actually good news. Let's celebrate something that's actually happening that's positive, if you're a Spartan fan anyway. If you're not a Spartan fan, we wish you the best. (laughs) But something like that is very different than what is a typical news story that we happen to hear again and again and again. Currently, right now, there's this crisis that's going on in Syria. There's often, there's these conversations about racism that are going on in our world. Negative, bad, depressing, hopeless, all of these kinds of things. Our hope here at Campus Ministry is that in the midst of all these voices, in the midst of all this information that is being inundated into your brains all the time, is that we can spend some time together here, 10 o'clock on Sunday nights, to zero in a little bit on the voice and the life of Jesus. And as we hear his voice and become more acquainted with his voice, the rest of the stuff can maybe, we can sort through it a little bit more clearly. So tonight, we're going to start a series in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to kind of walk through the book of Luke this semester. And tonight, we want to start with Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 2, it's the story of Jesus being born. In Luke chapter 3, it's the story of John the Baptist kind of coming on the scene and saying, hey, there's this guy, Jesus, he's coming, he's going to be awesome. And then in Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his ministry. Now, before we dive into the text tonight, we have a practice here with Campus Ministry. It's after I get done reading the scripture, I say, this is the word of the Lord, and we invite you to respond with saying, thanks be to God. Okay, so let's just practice that. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Awesome. Now, Jesus... returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread through the whole countryside. 
He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He returned to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. And Jesus stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Then he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that were coming from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love this story because I think this story gives us a a glimpse into how awesome Jesus really is. And to maybe help all of us better appreciate the story a little bit tonight, I want to kind of dive in just for a few minutes into some cultural context of what's actually happening here. Uh, So let's take a step back in time. Jesus is a Jewish rabbi in the first century living in Israel-Palestine area. And Uh, they would gather for a weekly synagogue service on Saturdays, on their Sabbath, on Shabbat, as they called it. And uh, the Greek word for synagogue is actually assembly. It was a meeting place. It was a gathering place. The synagogue was used for lots of things within the city, but on this particular day, on Saturday, on the Sabbath, that's when they gathered for worship and prayer and scripture reading. All synagogues had a few things. Number one, they had a, a, what they call a Torah closet, a place where they stored all of the, the scrolls. So each of the five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those are referred to as the Torah, and each one of those books had a scroll. The rest of the prophets also each had their own scroll. So in this story, the prophet Isaiah, the, role, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So all these scrolls were stored in a a closet with all those scrolls. Every synagogue also had what they called a bema, which is a a tiny little platform where the person who was reading would stand on the bema, okay? Archaeologists have discovered a bunch of these bemas. I don't know how to say plural of that, but anyway. um, They also had what they call Moses seat, okay? So we use this as Moses seat. We also have another Moses seat over here. They found this as another synagogue Uh, this is a little bit after the time of Jesus, they called this Moses' seat, and this is where the reader would then sit down after uh, they had done the reading. And they also had a, every synagogue had a chazan. Say chazan. 
Chazan. There you go. There you go. Chazan. And a chazan was basically the attendant, the, the kind of the caretaker of, of the synagogue. They were the ones that were announcing, hey, Sabbath has started, the synagogue's going to start, let's open up the doors and come on in kind of thing. Um, they were the ones that were caring for the scrolls. The chazan um, also helped teach kids in, in school that was attached to the synagogue and those kinds of things. A typical synagogue service looks something like this. They would start with having everybody in the congregation recite Deuteronomy chapter 6, also known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That's how they would begin. Then they would have uh, a different person. There was an actual schedule of which passage to read and when. There was always a, a, a section from the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy, Something from that was read, and there's also always something read from one of the prophets. And it was a different reader every week. It could be the same reader from the Torah and the prophets, or it could be a same or different. It's varied a little bit. Uh, and they would follow a pretty strict schedule. There's a schedule that was set way ahead of time, and they knew what was going to be read on what day and by which reader and all those kinds of things. Following the reading of the scripture, the person who was doing the reading would then sit down in Moses' seat and offer a, a mini-sermon, if you want to call it that. Uh, they actually call it a derashah, which is like a one- or two-minute testimony about the passage. Hey, this is, what I, this is what I think about this passage, kind of thing. And then the service would end with a, a benediction of the blessing in Numbers chapter 6, um, May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you peace. So that was kind of a typical synagogue service. So Jesus goes back to his hometown in Nazareth. And this passage tells us that Jesus is the one who's scheduled to do the reading. Now let's just, hear, let's just hear this story one more time in light of these cultural information. Is that okay? Now Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole country. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Jesus returned to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And Jesus stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll handed it back to the attendant And he sat down. The 
eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Then he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, to think about what kind of God is this who had some sort of system set up in place where there's a scheduled reading system. They know they're going to read this passage on this day and here's the scheduled readers for these things and Jesus just happens to be going to Nazareth on this day. Jesus happens to be the reader for this day for this passage. And he gets up, stands up, reads this passage from Isaiah 61. He sits down, gives a derashah, maybe the shortest derashah recorded in history and he's like, yeah, that's me. In our, in our well-programmed meeting, they talk about, this is like, this is the ultimate mic drop right here, right? <laughs> Boom, see ya, you know? I mean, I love this. And I love this because this is like, man, Jesus is just awesome. And, and I think God, who had a bigger plan beyond what anybody could ever comprehend at that time, was just like, yeah, okay, now I'm going to have Jesus go to Nazareth and he's going to be scheduled to read and it's going to be this passage on this day and boom. <laughs> and here's my favorite part. Jesus is reading from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The word proclaim there. Uh, in some translations say preach, some translations say bring, maybe somebody else, somebody else, something else. The Hebrew word is basar. Say basar. I had an opportunity to, to live and study in Israel for a couple years, and I took a Hebrew class when I was over there. And in this Hebrew class, we were doing like word pictures and learning like Hebrew, like I'm looking at a picture, and then I would hear through my earbuds like what this picture is. And I want to show you what basar is. That is the word picture for basar. That's a piece of meat. It might not look that appealing, but that's supposed to be a piece of meat. To basar good news to the poor. Anybody else confused? Meat or skin or flesh or something like that is what this word means. Jesus is not just proclaiming with his lips good news to the poor. Jesus is supposed to embody, to enflesh. He is, in the flesh, good news. Not just something that he's going to say with his lips. To basar the gospel is to embody it, to live it out, to, in the flesh, this is the good news. John's gospel starts this way. In the beginning was the Word, the Word being Jesus. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of man. And then he goes on and says, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word became flesh. The good news became flesh and dwelled among us. So what? So what? What does this have to do with you here at Grand Valley in 2015? I think you and I, we are inundated with lots of things in our brains all the time. And we are inundated with uh, negative news that's being thrown at you through Twitter or Instagram or uh, BBC or whatever. There's just things that are going on in the world that are not really good news. There's these things called cancer and racism and Syrian refugees and ISIS. This is what I I feel like I'm hearing all the time. And it feels so discouraging and hopeless. And in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, this is me. I'm here and I am good news. Not just with my lips, but I am good news. It's my prayer for us. As we, as we acquaint ourselves more and more with the life and the voice of Jesus. That his words will sink in a little bit more deeply. And as we are more acquainted with his voice, we'll understand better how to process the other news and the other voices that are being thrown at us all the time. And I also pray that just as was the case with Jesus, as we hang out in community, as we get to know each other, and as we kind of dive into getting to know Jesus better, that just as was the case with Jesus, the Word may also become flesh in our own lives. And that we too, you and me and my friend Michael, we can basar the gospel together. We can embody it. We can, we can live it out. We can be good news in a, on a campus that is in need of hope, of good news every once in a while. So whether you are riding the 50, whether you're engaging with other students in the classroom, whether you're teaching kids in Taiwan the chicken dance, may you and I be people who embody this good news and live it out in such a way where people are like, well, that's a very different story than what I usually see every day. And I want to know more about this good news. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim, to embody, to enflesh good news. That was true for Jesus, and may that be true for you and I as well. And today, 
May this be fulfilled in your hearts and on our campus. Please pray with me. We are so grateful, Jesus, for the gift that it is to be here together tonight in this place. For the first time ever having a 10 o'clock p.m. service for the well, for these amazing people who are here, for the opportunity that it is to be on this campus and to open up your word and discover more and more of who Jesus is, I pray that you open up our hearts and open up our eyes to be more and more fascinated with who he is. And that we will, that we will be walking billboards on this campus ourselves of good news. That we can be a glimmer of light and of truth and of hope and of joy for the people who desperately need it. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.